0: Chapter Twenty One of the Ocean Wafes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Ocean Wafes by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter Twenty One. To the Oars. We've got to die. As the sailor gave utterance to these words of fearful import, he started from his recumbent position and, half erect upon the raft, remained listening, at the same time endeavouring with his glance to pierce the darkness that shrouded the surface of the deep. Little William, terrified by the speech of his protector, made no rejoinder, but with like silence continued to look and listen. There was nothing visible save sea and sky, and these, in the dim obscurity, were not to be distinguished from each other. A raft or boat, even a large ship, could not have been seen at two cables distance from that on which they were drifting along and the only sounds now heard were the sighing of the night breeze and the swish of the water as it swept along the sides of their slight embarkation for five minutes or more there was nothing to interrupt this duetto of winds and waves and ben was beginning to believe he had been mistaken it might not have been the voice of a man nor a voice at all he was but half awake when he fancied hearing it was it only a fancy an illusion it was at the best very indistinct as if some one speaking in a muttered tone it might be the blowing of a porpoise or the utterance of some unknown monster of the sea for the sailor's experience had taught him that there are many kinds of creatures inhabiting the ocean that are only seen at rare intervals even by one who is constantly traversing it and many others one may never see at all could the sounds have proceeded from the throat of some of these human like denizens of the deep known as dugongs lamantins manatees and the like it was strangest of all that william had heard the voice of a girl for the lad still adhered to the belief that he had done so that might have been the cry of a bird or a mermaid and ben would have been ready to accept the latter explanation but the voice of a young girl coupled with that of a man rendered the circumstance more mysterious and altogether inexplicable didn't you hear a man's voice loud he asked at length with a view either of dissipating his doubts or confirming them i did replied the boy yes ben i'm sure i did not loud but muttered like but i don't know whether it was le Grosse. oh if it was Thee have good reason to know his ugly croak, the parley vuin scoundrel. That thee have, William. Let's hope we are both mistaken, for if we're to come across them ruffins on the big raft, we needn't expect mercy at their hands. By this time they'll be all as hungry as the sharks, and as ravin in two. "'Oh!' exclaimed William, in accents of renewed fear. "'I hope it's not them.' "'Speak low, lad,' said the sailor, interrupting him only in whispers. If they be near, the best thing for us are to keep quiet. They can't see us no more than we can see them. Anyhow, till it come mornin', If we could hear the sound again so as to make out the direction. I didn't notice that. I did, interrupted William. Both the voices I heard were out this way. The boy pointed to Leeward. To Lewart, you think they were? I'm sure they came from that quarter. "'That be curious, hows ever,' said the sailor. "'If it be them on the big raft, they must a' passed us, "'or else the wind must a' veered around, "'for we've been to lured o' them ever since partin' with em. "'How could the wind a' gone round, I wonder? "'Like enough, it be queer, and it's blowin' from the west, "'in this part of the Atlantic. "'Tain't possible to say what point it be in, howsever, "'not without a compass. "'There be even the glimmer,' OF A STAR IN THE NIGHT, AND IF THERE WERE WE COULDN'T MAKE MUCH OF IT, SINCE THE NORTH STAR BE'N'T SEEN DOWN IN THESE LATITUDES. Thee BE SURE THE SOUND CAME FROM LUIRT? OH, I'M QUITE SURE OF IT, BEN. THE VOICES CAME UP THE WIND. THEN WE'D BEST GO THE SAME WAY AND GIVE EM AS WIDE A BERTH AS POSSIBLE. LOOK ALIVE, LAD. LET'S DOWN WITH THEM FLITCHES OF THE SHARK MEAT, FOR IT'S THEM THAT'S driftin' US ALONG. We'll take a spell at the oars, and afore daylight we may get out a hearin' of the voices, and out of sight of them as has been utterin' of them. Both rose simultaneously to their feet, and commenced taking down the slices of half-dried shark-flesh, and placing them upon the sailcloth, with the intention, as the sailor had counseled it, to unship the oars that had been doing duty as masts, and make use of them in their proper manner while engaged in this operation both remained silent at intervals stopping in their work to listen they had got so far as to clear away the suspended flitches and were about unfastening the cords where they were looped around the upright oars when another cord attached to one of the latter caught their attention it was the piece of rope which closed the mouth of their tarpauling water-bag and held the latter in such a position as to keep the cask from leaking Fortunately they were doing things in a deliberate manner, if they had been acting otherwise and had rashly unstepped the mast to which that piece of rope was attached, their stock of fresh water would have been rapidly diminished, perhaps altogether spilled into the salt sea, before they should have become aware of the disaster. As it was, they perceived the danger in good time, and instead of taking down the oar, at once desisted from their intention it now became a question as to whether they should proceed any further in the design of rowing the raft to windward with a single oar they could make but little way and the other was already occupied in doing a duty from which it could not possibly be spared it is true there were still left the fragments of the hand-spike that had been ground between the teeth of the surviving shark and afterwards picked up as they drifted past it this might serve instead of the oar to support the mouth of the water-bag, and as soon as this idea occurred to them they set about carrying it into execution. It took but a few minutes of time to substitute one stick for the other, and then, both oars being free, they seated themselves on opposite sides of the raft and commenced propelling it against the wind, in a direction contrary to that in which the mysterious voices had been heard end of chapter 21.